I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Millennial Divide, a podcast about navigating the millennial issues. We are back literally strung together with um, string, a bit of sticky tape, maybe some blue tack. We're chugging along. We're like one of those beaten up old cars that's got everything just stuck together. We've got two time zones, a baby, two sleep deprived people, actually probably three because Dim, you're Yeah, it's very early. It's very early here. And childcare pickup to get to. So yes, and if for anyone who lives in Melbourne, punt road to navigate on the way home. So it's all good fun. So we are going to fly by this episode because we have got plenty to talk about. This week, we're going to talk about the non-event election. Actually, I haven't even said who we are. I'm Amy. I'm 37 and I'm back. <laughs> I'm Ellen. I'm 33 and I do have a baby, but lovely producer Claire is currently walking her around the garden to get her to go to sleep. I am Dimity. I'm 28 years old. I'm back from the Black Forest, everyone. Don't worry about me. I'm safe. I'm. Uh, you know what? You were very not alarmed considering how little you knew and how you thought I might have just disappeared. Thanks for uh, setting up the search party, you guys. You really kept posting it. on Insta. When you, when you go quiet on Insta, that's when I know to worry. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. Pretty good indication. <laughs> So this week we're going to jump right on to the non-event election, the big election that actually nobody cares about. So we'll investigate why, but also what the issues are facing millennials and where are all the millennial politicians? We'll also look at our first gay cricketer. Did you guys know we had one? Well, we do. So we'll talk about him this week and we'll jump into a few recommendations. We've each got one again and we will wrap up with a mantra. So we're keeping it short and snappy this week. Because that's all we've got. Okay, so let's jump right in. Go, 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 go. <laughs> okay, so Elle, talk us through this week because we've got the Australian federal election coming up in a couple of weeks and it seems to be one that really is floating by without much um, attention. But there are some things to be considerate of. So tell us, what is going on with this election? So it's exciting. No, it isn't. I am totally disengaged in this election so far, as I think most people have, because it feels like we've been in election mode for a good couple of years, really. Uh, This week, the Australian federal election has ramped up, though, with the two main leaders, Bill Shorten and Scott Morrison, going head to head in their first debate, which I didn't watch, though I probably should have. Uh, but what role will the millennials play in the electing of our next Prime Minister is what we're really wanting to focus on today. According to The Australian, 100,000 Australians, two-thirds of whom were under 25, were added to the electoral roll before the same-sex marriage vote last year and 70,000 youth enrolled in the last few weeks before the election uh, rolls closed They also analysed that the Australian Electoral Commission data revealing that there were 62 electorates with an over-representation of voters aged between 18 and 34. So all of this is kind of saying that the millennial vote does really count. 
15 of those 62 electorates are held by the coalition, which is the ruling party in Australia at the moment, and five of these are held on a margin of less than 5%. So normally I think that doesn't matter so much because generally the people who are ruling have the majority. But currently the coalition holds 73 seats. Labor, the opposition, holds 72 and independents hold six. So this means the coalition needs three extra votes, needs 76 seats to win majority government, which is quite a lot when there's a lot on the border of whether they're going to go whether coalition or Labor. So as the coalition needs to not only not lose seats but also win seats to remain the ruling party, trying to woo new millennial voters is really important. So, and I'm wondering, I guess my question has come from, are they doing this well enough so far? Because I think a lot of new voters, what you used to do is you voted the way your parents voted, which is I know what I did. You speak to your parents generally, you see if you align with what they're thinking and you don't really know much about it. So you just vote the way they voted. But I'm wondering whether the new millennial generation is a little bit savvier and whether they do a little bit more research on, into policies that really matter to them. So Dim, will you be voting the way our parents have voted or do you kind of diverge or do you even care? Or will you even vote because is your postal vote <laughs> still sitting at mum and dad's house? Be honest. Correct. It is It is still, uh, just got an email today confirming that it will be going to Australia, which I'm so glad that I registered <laughs> as an overseas voter to just get my postal vote delivered to the country I'm not in. Very clever, Dim. So I am really grateful, Elle, for you summarising that election right now because I have paid no attention to it. I really just don't care at all. So that's literally the most information I've got so far about the election in Australia. Has it informed where, which way I'll vote? Probably not. I think I'll just vote exactly the same way that my parents have because they're super woke. So no, I have not done any research. No, I'm not going to vote any differently. No, I don't really care. Sorry, does that make for engaging podcast content? <laughs> no, but know. it just absolutely epitomises the sheer... Um, Disillusionment. Dis- yeah, disillusionment of the generation. And I think not just the generation. I mean, I think, yes, Dim, particularly you are at the most disengaged because you're not even in the country. But I don't think <laughs> your feelings are unique. I think no. this is very common. And it's I'm just so interesting because I, I truly was like, oh, I have paid. And all, of, I mean, I have a few expat friends here and we've all just been like, oh, this is so not on our radar at all. The only engagement any of us had was a comment that Scott Morrison had that was, I think, sexist. But even then, I, I can't even remember what it was. That's how dis- I just don't care. I just I, don't even care. I had that when I was watching just a little clip of the debate the other day. And I just looked up and I looked at both the leaders and I just turned the channel. I could not be bothered with either of them. So I just think, and particularly after Jacinda Ardern being so inspirational recently and feeling so excited for New Zealand that they've got such a fantastic, enlightened um, leader, I'm just particularly depressed about it all. Yeah, so this is where I think, I mean, yes, there are some issues that probably are important for us to cover. I I noted that there was a segment on the ABC the other day that talked about how Zennials, which is the older generation of millennials, <laughs> i.e. me, um, have been shafted every election most, most recently and haven't really got any policy outcomes designed for us and how there's actually for the first time going to be a few policies that have, that will be announced. For example, there's one around childcare, which I, I 
you know, it's changing slightly um, from the Labor Party and so forth. But that really, I mean, I'm not overly interested in those topics right now. I'm sure I will be when I have to pay for childcare. But what really interested me is the absolute dearth of inspiring millennial leaders. And El, you talked about globally, we're seeing Jacinda Ardern. We've also got AOC in the US. So Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, is that correct? It's a great name. Pronunciation? I I just like AOC. Where are our cool pollies? And my theory is it's because these politicians are increasingly becoming career politicians. Mm. And what's happening is you're getting these people coming from uni politics, going into early um, working as ministerial advisors and then coming into politics themselves. And you're not getting these interesting backgrounds and these young people mm. because it's it's so brutal and it's so non-conducive to any sort of family life that it's not appealing for people to go into. And as a consequence, we, we just don't. Can you name mm. any, I can't name any young leaders in either party. Not young, young. No. no. Isn't Senator Jordan Steele John, isn't, is he still a member? I don't know. <laughs> well, there you go. Oh, he's I don't one. know either. Um, he's <laughs> someone, though. He was elected in 2017 at the age of 22. He's currently the youngest serving member of Australia's parliament, but mm. I don't know if that is currently or not. But anyway, he was there at a point. He's pretty <laughs> impressive. And to be honest, from my point of view, I don't want millennials. I've decided as our politicians and as our leaders. Oh, why not? I know. Hashtag controversial. I never have those, you know, unmillennial views. It's always left to Amy. But this time I've had a good think about it. And I reflected on a job interview I had a few months ago where I was interviewed by someone who was a, quote, leader. And he was definitely younger than me, maybe three or four years. And he was just, I think, not a particularly great leader, actually, as it turns out. The interview was really weird. And I, I just don't know. I don't trust millennial leaders anymore. That's there. I said it. Just a blanket statement. Well, I talked to a few friends about it and I was talking about the interview at the time and they all came back to me with, yeah, that's because they're young in the company. That's why they would have acted, you know. They won't have long- enough experience. Exactly. That doesn't mean that all millennials, and now, I, you know, I'm defending the millennials, but <laughs> it doesn't mean that all millennials can't be great leaders. Jacinta Ardern is a millennial. True. I don't know. I'm off every, everyone. I okay. <laughs> I would say that if you are unsure and if you are wanting to vote according to policies, that ABC News has a fantastic program called Vote Compass. And what you do is you just enter in the things that you are interested in, how much you care about them um, from zero to five, and they show how you align to all the major parties. And it's a really helpful way to not just vote the way that your parents might have voted or whoever's got the best, you know, advertising, but to actually drill down and say, oh, I really feel passionate about climate change. I really feel passionate about childcare and see who represents you. Because my concern with the millennial vote is that we are all in our Instagram echo chambers where it's very binary and you just follow people who agree with you and you'd never hear actually what's happening on the other side. And I've, you know, looked at that and gone, oh, I wouldn't have believed that I would be that aligned to that party or that I'm, you know, less aligned to this party. So I think it's a really good way if you're wanting to figure out. It's votecompass.abc.net.au if you're wanting to look at policies. Yeah, I think that's a great tool that you can use. But I also think people are just so sick of this generation of politicians. We've oh, had absolutely. a decade of just musical chairs with the Prime Minister a number of the people who are still in power were 
Orchestrated um, that. Yeah, orchestrated. Yeah. And I think everyone's just had a gutful. And so we've got, you know, I remember when Kevin Rudd was elected in 2007 and there was such optimism and hope and and really we haven't had that since because we've just had this absolute schmozzle of a political system where we've just had prime minister after prime minister after prime minister. No one can get any decent policies happening and I think everyone's just had a gutful mm. and we just are sick of seeing the same white middle-aged men in power and that's all we've got. Yeah. We've got two guys for all intents and purposes. Exactly the same. They could be subbed in and out yeah. and I am uninspired and I, I want a millennial leader to call out whoever's willing to sacrifice their life. Because <laughs> it is a sacrifice and yeah. even, you know, in a it seems like a very inclusive parliament I'm from the outside in New Zealand, you know, Jacinda Ardern is obviously has a newborn baby and not able to spend as much time with her and um, she's got a wonderful partner who's been able to step in, which is so fantastic. But there are sacrifices that have to be made if you want to be in that sphere. So I know I couldn't do it at the moment, but, yes, if somebody is passionate enough about it, go for it. Yeah. I also have a call out. Can someone please tell me just one name to vote for and I will do that. That's a call out to my listeners. Call Dad. Um, just tell me. <laughs> well, I mean, I really we, don't do, care. we do live in a system of government where you vote for a party rather than an individual, so I'd get on the vote compass and find your policies. <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Okay, moving right along. So we've got a bit more of a lighter topic this week. Did you know we have our first gay cricketer? I didn't. How Dimmer, surprising. Have you heard this? Uh, <laughs> safe to say my week in the Black Forest, completely out of reception. I, the first thing that I heard was not about this gay cricketer, no. Okay, well, let me fill you in. I have zero interest in cricket as a topic, so it was surprising even to me that I would choose cricket as a topic for our pop culture, but it is officially absolutely the most boring sport in the world. And um, so when I heard this story, I thought, oh, this tickles my fancy. Let's go deeper. So one man has made me interested in cricket, and that is a guy called James Faulkner. I had no idea who this guy was until this week. Uh, most of Australia probably didn't. But on Monday night, he's, his face started doing the rounds on social media. The 29-year-old Tassie cricketer wrote in an Instagram post that he was, quote, having dinner with the boyfriend and added a hashtag of together for five years alongside a photograph of his mother and this guy, Rob Jubb. This went viral. Overnight, it basically became a sensation, both nationally and internationally. It officially made him the first Australian cricketer to come out as gay. And he was getting comments and congratulations from all walks of um, the sporting world. There was just one small problem. He is not gay. He was being funny. And it turns out that he and Rob Jubb have been housemates for five years and he just likes to call him the boyfriend but actually 
it's just his mate. So this was fascinating for many reasons because, A, it made international news. (laughs) B, there are no openly gay Australian cricketers. C, the only international cricketer to openly identify as gay during his career is England's Stephen Davies and when he did that in 2011, he was congratulated as being groundbreaking and courageous. In Australia, you could count maybe on one hand any sportsmen who are openly gay. Ian Roberts was the first Australian, uh, high-profile Australian person to come out as gay and he was a um, rugby footballer. There are currently no professional AFL or NRL players playing. Um, of course, there is Jason Ball, who is the first openly gay AFL player who is an activist, but he's not currently professionally playing. Now, this is in contrast to women's sport, where it is very common to have um, same-sex marriages, same-sex relationships. Often, female sports people will, will take their partner onto official um, events and so forth, and it's much more common. So, I wanted to know from both of you why what point why are we in this situation why can guys still not come out if they're a professional sports person it is immediately obvious to me why people aren't coming out when stupid things like this are happening this is this has made me so mad because he has come out in a way he's not come out obviously that's the whole point but he's talked about being homosexual in a way that it's kind of making light of it it's kind of mocking or making a joke out of it in fact he said and I quote it is a joke that has been taken out of context and this is so so problematic because of course being a homosexual isn't a joke it's an actual real thing that's not to be made fun of so that makes me really upset and if we're talking about Jason Ball who as you mentioned Amy is the AFL footballer who came out as gay, he also had some problems with it. Understandably, he said in a news.com.au article, quote, James Faulkner making a joke about being in a same-sex relationship may seem like a bit of fun to him and his teammates, but the reality is that for thousands of young people struggling to come to terms with their sexuality, coming out is one of the hardest things they'll ever do, and this makes a mockery of that struggle. It's no wonder that we have so few out and proud men in the macho world of sport when being gay is still seen as something to be ridiculed. This type of puerile locker room behaviour is disappointing and just makes it harder for closeted players to have the courage to be themselves when their sexuality is turned into a punchline. I think that summarises it all. Well, that may be. But, Elle, what did you think about the reaction? Well, that... I agree. I think he's an idiot. I think think before you Instagram. But I think the reaction has been really positive and that's actually hopefully going to have a positive impact on more people feeling like they can come out. And I hate that term come out because you don't come out as being straight. So we shouldn't have to come out as being gay. I think it should just be whatever you want to do. But that is the term that people use, obviously. But I think it might be easier because Cricket Australia's come out and said, you know, it was a joke, yes, stupid joke, but, you know, we're supportive of the LGBTQI community. He has also come out and said, this was not my intention, but how great to be have been supported by this community and I'm a big, you know, supporter of people coming out and being who they want to be. So I, I'm hoping that by this misfire that somebody might get the courage to actually say, do you know what? I am too and it's been okay. Yeah, because what is the population Who would population possibly stats? think that? Because I think if you could be so scared about what a reaction might be and the reaction's actually been pretty positive initially before it came out that it wasn't 
a real thing. The initial reaction from everyone was, oh, great, awesome, good on you, and then he had to come out and clarify. But I think the initial reaction from people has been, that's fine. So rather than absolute, oh, my, you know, gosh, how could he? I think that that was the reaction that he told people about and and that's the way that he covered his own ass from doing something really, really dumb. But I think that if anybody watching this was looking at him talking about being gay as a joke, why would anyone be thinking that they'd be taken seriously? It's, I think it's it's not helped at all. I think it's it's probably done, I don't know, but I, I could imagine how it could do the opposite. Yeah, a number of the pro- professional cricketers who obviously maybe don't work alongside him but know of him congratulated him and um, commended his bravery. Um, So I don't know that that's correct. I think there was enough of an outpouring of support that maybe it was, um, it might not be so harrowing, but I do take your point, Dim. Like it's pretty Oh, he's an idiot. (laughs) And he's a total idiot to think that that wouldn't have been the way it played. And, you know, it's, it's, it's disappointing that we're still in this time. And statistically, there, of course, are gay professional sports players because what is it, about 5% of the population, something like that is identifies as gay? I think that was an old stat, but, you know, there must be gay professional sportsmen. There is no way there are not. So why they're not coming forward, you can see a little bit, but also maybe hopefully it's 2019. About they, time they might that they just... can feel that they can come and be whoever they want to be and still do the sport and the professionalism that they are trained to do. Okay, so come forth. We hope we, we will support you <laughs> if you want to identify. We won't know who you are and that's just because we don't really know sport, but we'll cheer you on. <laughs> Might make us more interested, though. So true. We, we might pick alone. up new sports if it became a bit more interesting. Okay, so moving on to recommendations, we're going to just make this short and snappy, and we're going to do what we did last week, which is each bring one to the table. L, tell us about yours. Mine is Afterlife, and it is the new Ricky Gervais latest offering on Netflix. And originally, I heard about this, and I went. Oh, Ricky Gervais just really doesn't do it for me normally. I find him normally quite crass and often very mean. And what, Ellen? Have you have you watched this show? It's really good. It's called The Office. Have you? I don't know if you've heard about it. I love it's the American good, you Office. You should check it out. I haven't watched the UK Office as much. I love oh, Jim well, on the American Office. Oh well, there you Office. bloody go. There's your answer. You're welcome. That's when your next I, week's recommendation. But Ricky Gervais' stand-up is often mean. You can't deny that. And he often goes quite to the awkward stage of... He um, punches down. He punches down often. I really feel that. He punches himself as well. That's like, true. That's true. But it's just he's not normally my cup of tea is what I'm saying. Okay. And also okay. when I read the plot of this, it's about a grieving widow who it's his life after his wife has passed away. That's not giving anything away because you find that out in the first five minutes. And at the start, it does have that kind of meanness as well and that crassness, but it comes from the grief of this um, character. But what it does over the course of six episodes is it goes into this very sweet, thoughtful and really, really funny territory till at the end you're just smiling and it's such a beautiful um, little capsule of a series 
And it really took me by surprise. Um, my husband and I watched it over two days, all six episodes. We just couldn't get enough of it. It was funny and witty and dry and crass and, you know, all of those kinds of things rolled up into one. So if you're wanting a little a little series to follow, Afterlife, Ricky Gervais on Netflix is a good one. All right. I'll give it another go because I did look at the first episode and it didn't grab me, but I might keep going. It keep gets going. really lovely. Okay. Dima, what are you liking? I am liking a book that is teaching me everything I need to know about living in the Netherlands because I'm I'm hashtag so Dutch now. Uh, it's called Why the Dutch Are Different by Ben Coates. And you might be asking yes, why, why are they different to you? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I thought I thought it might be quite um Dutch centric, which it is kind of. But it's all about the perspective of the Netherlands from an outsider coming in. And I tell you, it is fascinating and I have learned so much about the Dutch and about canals and about weather and flooding and I just, you know, it's great. Did you know that they have a a Noah's Ark arc here? You will once you read this book. Anyway, I think it's great. I haven't finished it as usual, but it's so far so good. All right. You'll be able to tell us next week why the Dutch are different. Okay. And what's yours, Ames? I am recommending – I'm kind of late to the party on this one. <laughs> I know. When you said this, I was like, yeah, that's an oldie. Yeah, it is. I've it's never a heard oldie. of this, so ah, I don't – I need – Okay. I know. I don't know what you – please tell me, the okay, uninformed so, listener. So this is a book called The Dry. It's Jane Harper's debut novel. Uh, she's a journalist who's – you know, try to hand at fiction and gee, she should <laughs> try to hand. She should keep going because it's pretty bloody good. Um, so it's a story about a regional town in Australia. It's the story of a a guy called Luke Cudler who turns a gun on himself and his wife and child um, in a small farming community and it explores during a drought and it explores mental health and drought and Australia and, and one of his old school friends, Aaron Falk, goes back to investigate the the suicide, murder-suicide by this guy. It is so well written. It's a great yarn. It delves into all of the social issues associated with drought, mental health, um, communities that are at their wits' end. But it's beautifully written. I believe it's going to be made into a movie. By Reese Witherspoon's company with Eric Banner as the lead. Oh, so it is going to be a goodie. It's just one of the, the – a great novel that I've read recently. I'm – I'm Marie condoing my books at the moment and I'm only keeping books that bring me joy and this is one that's going to stay on my yep. bookshelf because it is really excellent. It's exceptional. I yep. love so that. get on board with the dry. I'm, I think everyone is. <laughs> I'm pretty much like a, a year to two years late. But if you haven't read it, have a look. All right, Dima, so take us out with a mantra. What's going through your mind? So this mantra comes courtesy of some very polite Dutchmen who graffitied a wall near my house and it's just so lovely and so sincere. It is partially obscured by um, somebody else who's graffitied fuck over the top of it but I'm going to edit that out because I'll post a picture of it. Um, It's just really nice. So it's two different boards and they say, do good, be nice. And I just thought, that is just truly a mantra to live by. And I can only imagine that the person who is responsible for graffitiing this had our podcast in mind. So here I am talking to you about it today. It's just beautiful. I love that. That's beautiful. And it's so much better than the graffiti that's currently in my street, which says one way. So the street is one way. So it says one way. That's not the graffiti. But someone's written below equals no kids. <laughs> 
<laughs> which I can't help but feel they might be directing that at us. So your graffiti I'll take and mine uh-huh. I will leave. So that's a, that's uh-huh. a really nice one. That's why the Dutch are different. <laughs> linked oh, it back. You are so good. That's the final sentence, obviously, of my book. Once I get there, I'll let you know. <laughs> yes, the graffiti is nice and full of wisdom. Mm-hmm. All right, so thanks, Dima. That's been the Millennial Divide. Thank you for listening. If you've liked what you've heard, listen for free in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review us. We do love to hear all about it. Also join in the conversation on our Insta or Facebook pages. So we're at the Millennial Divide. We'll always post some content and we'd love to hear your feedback. And please subscribe. I didn't realise subscriptions is what gets you up on the Apple podcast. So if you're liking us, please subscribe so that more people can listen to us. That would be great. And a big, big, big thank you to Raw Collings who edits us every week with such a plum. And we are a rabble. So Collings, you do a superb job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And particularly producer Claire today, who is currently walking the streets with a newborn, one of our newborns, to try and keep her asleep so that we can get this thing done. So producer Claire, in all her glory, she is truly a multi... legend. She's a multi-talented producer, that one. Um, She's doing a great job. So thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next week. See you next week. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.